Welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm your host. Scott Sternberg is best known for his fashion work with his popular brand, Band of Outsiders, which he founded and ran for over a decade. But it was while working on Band of Outsiders that his dog, General Zod, came into Scott's life and flipped his perspective around. From his work ethic to his relationship with his neighborhood, he sees the world entirely different now. Scott, welcome to Dog Save the People, and thank you so much for joining us today on the show. Thrilled to be here. Thank you. So where are we speaking to you from today? I'm in my house in Silver Lake, which is on the east side of L.A. I've been here for over 20 years. I moved here in 97 when I graduated from college. I moved right out here to be in the movie industry, which I am not in. (laughs) But yeah, I came out for Hollywood. I know for myself, a lot of the people that I know from college did move out to LA to work in the entertainment industry, but it's interesting how you had then ended up in fashion. Yeah. Now, I know that we're both from Ohio. Which town are you from again? I was born in Dayton, which some people like to make a joke that it's a suburb of Cincinnati, but it is its own special city. Well, I know that being from Cincinnati, we definitely used to go to Dayton for thrift stores. And that it is very close, but it is its own world unto itself. I know for myself, I go back home a lot. And it's very important to me. It's really a big part of what I'm about and and my values. And I have so many wonderful memories from growing up in Ohio. Do you still like to go home and visit? I do. Yeah, my folks are still there. Probably go to see them twice a year. I'll probably go a little bit more often now that they're, they're getting a little older. But I like it there. I think it's beautiful there. There's this notion that it's this like flat farmland everywhere, but where I grew up was really gorgeous from a nature perspective, and it was quite idyllic. It's interesting because when I drive back to New York from Ohio, I drive through this beautiful, beautiful farmland, and it really is very specific. Yeah. Did you have any dogs growing up? We did. We had a dog, Nikki, a standard poodle, not a huge poodle, but like kind of a medium-sized one. My parents had gotten Nikki before they got married, I think. And I came into Nikki's life. We were never really close. It was probably one of those things where I'm sure Nikki never liked me. My sister's a little older, but I ended up taking whatever remaining attention from my parents away from him. How did your relationship with dogs then end up evolving over time? Once I went to college, they got a Maltese. And then they got another Maltese. And those two little white Maltese's, we became super close. I love those dogs. They were just so sweet. And, you know, they're lap dogs, Maltese's, but they're, they're little dogs. And there's something about little dogs and how they go through the world. Zod is a little dog, too. It's a combination of kind of pride and arrogance and ingenuity. And I'm so taken with specifically small dogs. So I love those, two, And that's when I started to picture my life, like, okay, I'm going to have going to have a dog. And that's General Zod. My life at that point was really hectic with Band of Outsiders. That was my first fashion brand, which was a traditional, just for your audience who has no clue who I am, traditional fashion brand from 2004 to 2015, sold in all the fancy stores, like when Barney's was still a store. And I was flying everywhere around the world. I was making clothes in Italy. I was going to Japan. We had a store there, Korea, just doing what we all do when we're in it. 
and had really felt like personally the dog was always in the back of my head and I felt like I kind of lost the plot in terms of like am I enjoying running around like a crazy person all the time what is the return in my personal life here I knew I wanted a Brussels griffin I did a ton of research I waited for a couple of years I really looked for a while obviously to rescue and I just sort of got led to this breeder who's just this woman and her husband they don't they're not like some massive breeding thing in the central coast of California. And she vetted me for like six months, which was the best sign. Like you don't just get to get a dog, a Brussels from her. And it was one of those situations and everybody says this, but this actually happened. I got to go choose the dog the whole time. They're all going crazy. Brussels have kind of various personalities. Some can be nuts and some can be really chill. So it's very chill. So as this is happening during my little 20 minute window, I'm sitting there and there's one dog that's not moving the entire time. He's sitting, he's curled up by my knee. I was sort of sitting cross-legged. And I'm like, what do I do? How do I pick this dog? And I laid back and I'm like looking up at the sky and Zod climbs up on my chest and then rests in my neck and just sort of, he's so tiny and just fell asleep there. And I'm like, okay, I'm sold. And he was just this adorable little thing. And then I got him home and he was scared and nervous and I basically had a nervous breakdown and wanted to give him back. My friends talked me down and you know, you know, it's just like the same story. Probably a couple days later it was fine. It was like, okay, empathy here. Empathy for this animal who's really scared. It's not just about me. Three weeks later it was like deep love. Scott, I totally get you. And I know that for myself, when I adopted my hairy soulmate tiny Tim initially, I wanted to give him back. It was too much for me. I felt so overwhelmed. I didn't know what I was doing. So I remember calling the shelter and saying, I can't do this. And they said, give it a few more weeks, give it some time. And I know that this is a type of experience that a lot of people have when they get a new dog, because it totally changes one's life. Yeah. And the name General Zod, which is so unique. How did you come upon that name? So General Zod, and I just call him Zod, Superman 2, the sequel to the original, 1980, I think, there were three evil villains, Non, Zod, and Ursa. Zod was the general of them. And Terrence Stamp played the guy, and he had this sort of dirty goatee. I always loved that movie. It's campy and weird, and it's kind of fantastic. And it always it stuck in my head. And somehow, with the Brussels and their beards, I was just like, you're Zod. That's who you are. And so when you got Zod, I know that you were running your fashion business. Since Zod's a smaller dog, were you able to bring him with you when you went to work, when you traveled? Went everywhere with me. I mean, I would bring him to New York, for sure, on all those trips, Fashion Week, any of that stuff. I had a little toad I carried around. He went to the office, which is a, such a positive thing for a workplace. It's amazing how it just sort of increases productivity. Everybody's happier. There's always comic relief in a meeting where there's tension or, or whatever it is. And he really became a mascot for the brand. That to me is so impactful. Tiny Tim was also my mascot. And, and again, <laughs> it became this wonderful feeling of, of having this dog in my life and this dog representing so much more than just being my pet. Totally. How do you think Zod ended up impacting the way that you've looked at your career and your work? I used to really think that I had to like just work very hard and very long to prove myself always. I think part of that's because I, 
I have a good work ethic, but I got into fashion without being trained. And I really just said, poof, I'm a fashion designer and started making ties and shirts and stuff. And so I always felt like I really needed, even to my staff or just in general, like to myself, like I just needed to pound it out all the time. And hours were important. I was always working and I was enjoying it to some extent too. But that is just completely wrong. And once you have to take care of another being in terms of them being fed and walked and they need your attention. He just pulled me out of that where it's like, nothing's changed. I don't need to actually be working this hard at all. Other people can actually help. And by the way, like me working that way alienated most of my staff when I was approaching it that way. So just focusing elsewhere actually made the work better and more expansive and more, more collaborative. And at the moment, you're currently working at home with Zod? I am. Yeah, because I'm freelancing. So everything's from home. And I feel like the world is all a from home world now anyway. Yeah. How would you describe your daily routine with Zod? So I get up, I give him a little kiss on the head. He has his own little shtick and he moves around and does his thing. Sometimes he'll come up. But I meditate. I do TM. Nice. So for the people who are listening who may not know what TM is, it's Transcendental Meditation. Yeah. I love that. Please continue. Have a cup of coffee. Go downstairs, and he's usually sitting right up on the couch just waiting for me. We go out on a walk around the hills, and he leads the way. Sometimes it's an hour and a half. Sometimes it's 20 minutes. just totally depends. And then I get to work, and then I, I just kind of work, eat, play with him, work, eat, walk him, go to dinner. I love that, Scott. I also meditate, and a big part of my meditation actually involves my dogs. So in the morning when I get up, I meditate and I always seem to have one hand on my dog. And a lot of times my meditation is when I'm walking with the dogs. I do these wonderful walking meditations when I'm outside in a park or on a trail. That becomes a very specific type of meditation. I know that for me, taking these walks with my dogs breaks up my day, but it also helps me a lot with my creativity it helps to kind of re-channel my energy and my creative thoughts and to kind of start to see the world differently. How do you feel like these walks and these breaks in your day impact you and your mental health? Pragmatically, just practically, my day changed because you have to walk the dog. Those moments during the day, beginning and end of the day, I live in a beautiful part of LA where there's hills all around and nature everywhere. You know, my phone stays at home and we go out for a walk and I just slow down. I'm on Zod time and it's totally his walk. It's not mine. And that's been incredibly meditative and incredibly important. Just how it frames my day, how I think about time. And also he's so slow and he just is like a smell monkey. I'm spending a lot of time just like beyond like house porn because there's cool houses that I'm always redesigning in my head. I'm looking at like flowers and leaves and trees and I've just developed this totally different relationship. He's become this conduit to the natural world. And that, I've always been interested in nature aesthetically, but in terms of just my relationship with my neighborhood, in terms of just like the land, the space that we're in, and these trees that have been here for way longer than any of us and will continue to be, that's really changed. And that's really, that's a soulful, deep, important thing. For me, when I'm walking my dogs, in some ways I try to see the world through their eyes, and that really helps me to connect even more with nature. And I've talked to so many guests who have this same type of experience where their dogs are sort of a gateway 
to nature. It really helps them to appreciate nature in a very, very new way. Yeah. In a way, they're sort of seeing the natural world through their dog's eyes. And as we know, dogs are so connected to their environments in a way that we could only hope to be. Yeah, yeah. So how has Zod changed your interaction with the people in your neighborhood or in your community? I would call him like the mayor of Silver Lake. I've met all my neighbors and I had lived here for years, several years. Walk to the reservoir, walk around. But like I'd be just like walking to get stress out or I'd be walking with a friend. Now it's like I know all my neighbors, the dog people, the non-dog people. Like it's really opened my, my world to like tiers of people in your life, your family, your close friends, your acquaintances, your work friends. Neighbors were never a thing. And now, I mean, especially COVID, what a wonderful kind of layer of people to have in my life. And that's all Zod. I know that for me, especially being in New York, having a dog is such an incredible icebreaker. And it's such a nice way for me to connect with others that I may not otherwise have done. There's so many people that I've met either through their dog or through my dog that I think is such a yeah. wonderful aspect of having a dog in your life. And aside from the way that Zod has changed your view of work and your community, what else do you think you've learned to this point about what it means to have a canine companion? It's humbling because it's this idea people would say to me at the beginning, oh, he's just a dog. He can wait at home for five hours or he's just a dog or whatever. It's just like, what the hell do you mean by that? He is a dog. He's not just anything. If I choose to put myself at the same level as other sentient beings, like that's just how I really believe I need to go through the world. And that's a huge shift, right? And it's nice to not be so egocentric and so much pressure is off. You get a dog, you just know, presumptively, unless something horrible happens to you, an accident, you're going to outlive this creature. And you're getting into this contract where you know you're going to be devastated one day. You're going to have the biggest love and the biggest grief, which is how it works. The ephemeral kind of mortal nature of this like great love, it's so intense, right? It's so life-affirming and also so horrifying. Like It's so many things all wrapped in one. But net-net, it's always so positive. You can learn how to experience the world in a simpler, more pure way through a dog, where he derives pleasure, what relaxes and delights him. Like, it's just so simple. And it's so equally enjoyable just to like witness it. There's a simplicity and a purity to a dog's existence. And I don't think everybody should get a dog. Yeah, not everybody's a dog person. But I think that all of us that have a dog, we all experience this in some way. And it's such a wonderful, cool bond little nod, right? And I just love during the pandemic sort of seeing it proliferate dog ownership in the neighborhood and just very grateful for Zod. And to wrap up, Scott, where can we find you online and on social media? Post some pictures of Zod on Scott.Sternberg. Horrible self-promoter. But please follow me and see pictures of my mom during Mother's Day, my dad during Father's Day, and Zod intermittently. Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. It was such a pleasure talking with you, and I hope to meet you and Zod one day in person very soon. Thank you, John. It's really great to meet you. 
I so enjoyed speaking with Scott. And again, it's so nice to speak with somebody whose careers are very similar to mine in the sense that we both started out in menswear and have worked in this wonderful field and have both been inspired very much by our dogs. And I love that he came from Ohio. I think that there's a very special kind of DNA. And for me, it was very exciting to hear about how Scott's life has been transformed, both with his own work ethic, but also just the way that he relates to his community. And I think that's one of the wonderful takeaways and gifts of having a dog is how they change our relationship to the people around us. We meet so many people, we interact with them so differently once a dog comes into our life. And having a dog really helps ground one. And I think coming home to a dog, and especially if you can bring your dog to work, even better. But a dog really helps to remind us to slow down and to take a breath and to live in the present moment. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is made by As It Should Be, a production company and content studio. It is made with the support of Scott Benaglio, executive producer, and Jack Summer, our producer and editor. And special thanks to Daniel Lampert, our neighbor and composer, for creating the music for the show. You can follow Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow our show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. To sign up for our monthly email newsletter, you can go to dogsavethepeople.com. On the website, you'll also be able to find merch in our new online gift shop. This includes shirts from the Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, my foundation, where profits go to supporting independent rescues and shelters. If you have any questions or submissions, please drop a note to the email address bark at dogsavethepeople.com. Enjoy a walk with your dog outside and make it a great day for both of you. Thank you.